I'm gonna put a buzz Damn, Chris, on the internet one day A Chris said, you know, let's make a podcast, boy Come on now, what do you say? Well, what will this podcast be about? Sit down with a tear in his eye We got stories that people tell each other From Louisiana Fire to the city of Mumbai Oh, you mean urban legends And the podcast was urban legends With Bill and Chris You take care, y'all Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Urbane Legends, a podcast about urban legends and adjacent nonsense. Uh, I am the new spokesperson for Bath Salts, both the relaxing aquatic treat and also synthetic uh, cathanoids, uh, Chris Flynn. And with me, as always, is a man who has just opened up the UK's first uh, wheelbarrow uh, modding shop. It's Mr. Neil Herbert. Hi, Neil. How's it going? Good, thank you. Um, yeah, going all right, actually. Yeah, I don't know. Your, um, your, your wheelbarrow modding shop opened with, with quite a fanfare. I believe it was a, we got a spread in the Guardian. Um, so what's it like? One of those um, pimp my wheelbarrow kind of things like they have in America? Well, no, I just make very, very trendy kind of artistic-looking wheelbarrows. So oh, okay. it's a bit like, I don't know if you remember that, um, the Philip Stark lemon squeezer. Uh, um, and you would, yeah. it looked very phallic, like a phallic spider. Um, and like then crushing you would, a lemon onto your penis. And you, yeah, and you would crush a lemon and it would just go all over you. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I've done is I've made uh, a wheelbarrow inspired by Sir James Dyson of Singapore's um, right. early, well, early Steve Adventures. And if you know this, Chris, he did a wheelbarrow with a ball on the front. Yes, I've seen this, that. You know, 3D, so then it doesn't slip around. The wheels yeah. come over. I've uh, instead made it into a, a cube. A cube? Like, yeah. That's very just, stable, isn't it? Yeah. It's very stable, but... Uh, difficult now, to move. Overly critical people would say, yeah, it's uh, you know, difficult to move, but I think, mm. you know, the inherent style... I mean, the fact that the whole thing is made out of, like, cast iron as well. It's bronze. Quite, it's quite heavy. Um, bronze and chrome. There's, there's bronze filigree work, yeah. Well, I mean, is it <clears throat> is it meant is it meant for actual you know down the allotment wheelbarrowing work, or is it more to pop into your um, astroturfed back garden and put plants in? Yeah, I'd suggest it's more a kind of Marie Antoinette kind of purchase. You know, if you're a hammer, or you just you know you, you put yeah, it there, and, and it looks very you know it looks very nice in a rustic setting, but kind of futuristic at the same time. Well, that sounds pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, has it got um, any kind of neon lights underneath? So it looks like it's hovering. Um, no, I didn't. I've not been inspired by uh, the people driving up and down Madeira Drive. On the <laughs> Have you not? <laughs> well, maybe I'll maybe, open maybe, that then. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's one for you for to the kids, at, for the youths. Now the aesthetics are very pure on this one. It's uh, you know, I don't think people. I mean, I mean, some would say it was um, headache-inducingly detailed <laughs> rather than pure. Well, you know, if you're not a fan of Baroque, I mean, I can't, you know, there's no accounting for taste. I like the That's fact like that the uh, that the two handles have gargoyles on the end. <laughs> well, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of, bit of gothic, few gothic touches in there as well, That's I suppose. Nice. That's yeah, uh, I like you that. know, I'm glad you enjoyed those. Yeah, they were lovely, yeah. I think the main thing you've got to... I mean, if you touch Chris... them, they cut, they cut your hands quite badly, don't they? So well, don't again, touch you it. know, it's, it's function over form. As, as as you know, the design mantra. Mm. Um, 
you know, does it look nice, Chris? Two questions you've got to be asking yourself in the design space, Chris. Does it look nice and is it really expensive? Yes. And the answer is? Yes and yes. The answer is, um, to some people, maybe, and yes. The answer is, because of the second one being a definite yes, the first one must clearly also be yes. (laughs) Uh, So have you got many orders in from the likes of, I don't know, Jamie Oliver and... Uh, Kate Middleton. Kate Middleton's bought one. Um, Jeremy Clarkson's bought three. Mm-hmm. Elon Musk has bought three hundred. Yeah, well, he's he's um, talking about buying out the company, isn't he? <laughs> of course, yes. to yeah. take some of the design flourishes to add to a test. I'm, I'm just waiting for a weed-related offer to come <laughs> in from the public offering any time soon. Oh, um, and that's and, and, of course they'll complain the dis- about the. The design of the wheelbarrow, probably, and then try and withdraw it. And then try and sue you. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. Classic move, Iron Man. (laughs) (laughs) Always always three steps ahead, playing three-dimensional chess. (laughs) Lovely stuff. Um, Cool. All right. Uh, So I've got to ask, Chris, what's a synthetic cathanoid? Oh, that's... uh, So... um, It's a kind of drug. So So bath salts... Not only are the lovely magnesium salts that you put in your bath, not put on your chips. Like, to have a nice, relaxing bath. Don't inhale them. That relaxes me quite thoroughly. So, um, cathanoids are a type of drug that stuff like cat and and different drugs have in. And um, so synthetic ones are ones which are made in a lab, probably in China. And then people buy them over the internet. And the, like, and they're called like bath salts or whatever, so that you can buy them. And then they take them as drugs and go crazy in America. Oh, nice! But bath salts are kind of street slang for this kind of drug, and they're not really sure what it does to people, but they have hallucinations and they're a bit amphetamine-y, and they run around going crazy. So just so, really want to get fucked up and really don't care about the consequences. Pretty much, yeah. So um, teenagers I'm, mostly. If only. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm the spokesperson for both sides of the mm. bath salts business. So the nice relaxing one, which, you know, oh, I've had a long day. What I want to do is really relax. So I'll put my Epsom's bath salts into a lovely hot bubble bath and dream my dreamy dream and whisk myself away to Pleasure Island. Or on the other hand, if you go, I've had a really bad day, I really want to get fucked out of my mind, hallucinate, take all my clothes off and go and punch a policeman. So I will snort some of my bath salts, dream my dreamy, dreamy nightmare, run down the street and and wake up in a cell or under a pier. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of, they've got me to do both. um, Sounds like a... I came came cheaper. If I I doubled up, I got from the discount to the second one. Um, and the, you know, there's less, there's less kind of TV and radio advertising on the second one, but I do a lot of whispering campaigns in the streets. It's more so, social media based or more yeah. social media. Yeah. Instagram posts, yeah. um, tele- dark, tele- dark web, telegram channels, that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's all right. You know, pay, you know, get a bit of money in, plus pay me better than this fucking podcast. See you that much. Sounds both fiscally and ethically responsible. Look, at the end of the day, people can put into their bodies what they want. I don't believe that the government should tell people what they can and can't put in their own bodies. Though you should not. Don't try and uh, legalise 
what, what do you call it? Uh, rule. What would be the what would be the term of the government trying to control your body? Um, I Monit- don't know. I don't know. Monitor it. Don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, go and take some bath salts, people, and or have some bath salts in your bath, depending on what kind of night you're after. There or you go. Both, if you're really after, a, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice break your night. Thrash around loads. <laughs> Screaming. You do, yeah. Yeah, that's man. That's where you want to be. Hey, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, so... Uh, well, here's, yeah. <laughs> here's, here's, an, here's an urban legend, Chris, that may well have been evidence of the abuse of bath salts in Cornwall. Yeah, which one? So we're going to get on to the Beast of Bodmin Moor. Oh, well, which time, time. I meant which time of bath salts. Oh, um, the, well, I said abuse, that bar just because you could abuse a lovely, cosy, warm bar. Get, get all wrinkly fingers. Yes. <laughs> um, the ones you snort, whichever one, mm. whichever way you do, do those. You don't have to snort them, no. That's mm. a beautiful thing about it. You can also uh, inject it, or you can mm. just consume it, or you can smoke it as well. Oh, things to so, all, you know, dealer's choice. Nice. That's why I think that bar salts are the cocaine of the future. Or all three at once. Yep. In a bar. Yeah. Bath basing. Best to take it in a bath, yeah. That's what did for Richard Pryor, wasn't it? Bath salts. Yeah. Right. That's, that's, that's demonstrably untrue, by the way. Um, okay. But is it? Or, or is it? Just ask mm. me questions. <laughs> right, so we move swiftly on to Cornwall Live, <laughs> the, uh, a source of news for all things Cornwall. And I know it's a bit confusing, because you'd probably be thinking, is that Cornwall in America? or in is Connecticut. That Cornwall, in Connecticut, or is that Cornwall... As as per uh, our last episode, but um, yeah, yeah we just confu- recorded, confused me anyway. But. We just recorded the Dudley Town episode where everything was in places with English names, and Neil got confused. And now we're actually doing one in Cornwall, England. So it's we're Absolutely. having a very heavily Cornwall-based day. I feel like I've been doing bath salts. I feel like this is a waking nightmare. Better Which one? We'll, we'll plough through. So this is Cornwall in if the southwest of UK. Yeah, good. Back context, Chris. Context. Yes, Cornwall. Cornwall. The Arthurian Cornwall, the seat of Tintagel. Indeed. Indeed. That great and mysterious county. It's mysterious. So, nothing captures the imagination quite like the possibility that a bigger mysterious beast could be roaming wild in Cornwall. Mm. So, so, I mean, actually, I'll I'll extemporise a little bit on this one, because... You've heard of the Beast of Bobby Moore, I assume, Chris? Yes, a big cat. Big cat, isn't it, wandering around Cornwall? Yeah. Um, in specifically the Bobby Moore area, which is a moor in Cornwall. Um, yeah, so, you know, that's... I think it's been... A, you know, I think they first had some sightings in the 70s. Or I think 78 was when they first sort of saw some things. Um, but it's one of those ones where, you know, yeah, they, keep, they keep on having sightings. And I've seen... I don't know, have you seen photos of these? Yeah. And they do look like big cats. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Panthers. It's, it's one that's interesting because it's not the usual. I mean, they're not like completely sharp photos, but they are, you know. No, but they're, 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 yeah, they're, but they're, yeah. they're reasonably compelling photographic evidence. So, sightings of a massive black wild animal in 2016 in the Rock and Satudi area are only three of numerous ones that have left people convinced that a massive wild animal is stalking the countryside. What area? This is the Rock and St. Tudy area. Don't ask me where that is. I'll Rock assume. and St. Tudy. Yeah, you'd think Trudy, wouldn't you? But it's not. It's Tudy. It's T-U-D-Y. Tudy. Not, not Tude. Like no. Tude. Not the number two and then D. No. 
T U D Y 2D, like Trudy without the R. Okay. <clears throat> don't know what that's got to do with the rock, but there you go. Rock. Rock it's and Rock Rock and St. T D. R O C K. So I'm thinking of the wrestler, the rock. Yeah. I don't know if there's a wrestler called St. T D, but there should be. <laughs> I believe there is. Yeah. This probably is, isn't there? I believe there Blessings is. Blessings from above, he says. In the... <laughs> Chucks a truck smash penitent through a table covered yeah. in uh, barbed wire. <laughs> so, um, over the years, mysterious shapes of big cats and sets of giant paw prints have fueled the idea that the famous beast of Bodman could actually exist. Mm. So, the beast said to be haunting Bodmin Moor, well, mm. debatable, is described as a phantom wildcat, possibly with two sharp prominent teeth like those found on a leopard. Ooh. It was first spotted, oh, it's in 1983, it says here. Oh, that's since, the first spotting? Yeah, 1983. And since I thought I'd heard 78, but it says 1983 here. And since the first sightings, reports have flooded into the police's system. One year after I was born, Neil, is that a coincidence? Well, I don't know. You tell me, Chris, have you been wandering around Bodmin more recently? This is a cat. You attacked yes. any animals? Yes. Yeah, again, Two yes. sharp teeth. Yeah. You already know the answer to all of these. Yeah. Well, I'm just. <laughs> Just letting it play out, the audience. They can unpeel it one one at a time (laughs) before we get to the end. Ridiculous twist that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) I'm the piece of them all. And then then that's the end of the podcast. (laughs) Or was it all a dream? Um, So in 2011, it was revealed that since 2000, 205 sightings have been reported in Devon and Cornwall Force area. So to the police, presumably. So that's... That's a lot of sightings. Yeah, that, I mean, that's getting on for about 20 a year. It's not too shabby. Yeah, I mean... Just being asked to report it as well. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, and I think... Fuck it. I mean, there's a thing of um, confirmation bias involved, I would say, so that people there kind of think it exists. So if they see, I don't know, a deer, they think... Oh, it's, it's yeah, like a big fox or something. Yeah. But, um, but, I mean, nonetheless... Of all the things we've looked at, this is getting this is getting consistent reports. Yeah, because normally you'll see like you know, I mean, I think we had the was it the Mad Hatter of Mattoon? Um, there was a lot of Mad those. Gasser. They dried up. Sorry, the Mad Gasser. That was it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they dried up pretty sharpish. So yeah, reports included reports of a tiger on the loose and a beast digesting its dinner in a back garden. Mm. One call recorded was a member of the public, Maxminster Devon, who said, the beast of Bob Moore is on the top of my garden, lying down, digesting his dinner. I called you 30 minutes ago, Ari, this. <laughs> I mean, I imagine the police have probably got, you know, not they're not going to send out a rapid response team to come and have a go at the beast in your garden. MI5. Yeah. <laughs> I was so just it, thinking like James Bond was going to parachute down within yeah. 15 minutes. But half an hour, I thought this big cat, and you've done nothing. Yeah, I mean, having looked behind the curtain of sort of the hierarchy of um, police incidents, uh, spotting a, a, a mythical wild cat in your garden would be quite quite below, like, theft or mugging or violent crime. Yeah, and I think they're probably not coming out that quickly for those either these days. But, uh, no, they don't yeah. bother coming out at all. You do you fucking do it. Well, I think I've told this story before, but yeah, and Brenda and I, we ended up sort of chasing after some kids who um, nicked her. No, you haven't. Yeah, no, um, so um, somebody, a friend of mine, he's um, 
some kids tried to steal his bike and he saw some the making up with one of the neighbours' bikes. Yeah. He went off running off after him. After him. Um, they, they all kind of ran off. They sort of wheeled it around like a couple of streets up and then ran away. Um, so we were just there and we were like, well, because we've gone quite a distance by this point, it's like well, we don't really want to like wheel it back ourselves and it might not like we've nicked it. Mm. Um, and we weren't entirely sure who it belonged to or what have you. So it's like, you know... You didn't just want to leave it out loose on the street. So it's like, you were trying not to contaminate the crime scene, Columbo. Well, exactly. And I felt like <laughs> I think they're going to come down and do fingerprints. But you just, well, you just kind of like, well, I'm not really sure what's supposed to do it. So you said, well, we'll better ring the police because people tried to nick it after all. So, yeah. you know, I'm not suggesting they would have been able to catch them on nothing, but then they no. could have, you know, identified who the owner was, just let them know, you know, whatever. Maybe you not filed a crime report and like that. I don't know if they'd need to do insurance at that point. They might damage it. Um, but yeah, we waited there for about 45 minutes and saw no sign of them. So just knocked on someone's door who was nearby and just explained the situation and said, if they do come by, can you just let them know? Yeah. It's flat there. So, yeah. When um, I had my bike nicked, when I was, so I had, when I was a kid, I, I got a new bike once ever, like, you know, off, yeah. a cat, off the catalogue, obviously layaway, but, uh, and that got nicked after a couple of months and I'd had it all like gone to the police station, had it, you know, coded and all of that so you know yeah um and called the police with it being nicked and they went yeah no we're not gonna be able to get that for you so probably just you know get a new one and uh it was at that point i realized that i'll have to uh um dole out rough justice of my own realize that at the age of 13 <laughs> and they just went nah <laughs> what's well, actually even more and it's not turning into an anti-police podcast really but even more egregious one my mum hurt a truck had turned around and basically slammed in and like smashed into a door really badly, like caved it, like half a car door. Car door, yeah. Um, she was parked. She was like working, but mm. she sort of run out and see what happened. And somebody had been on the street and they'd taken down the person's number. Mm. So I rang the police and it was like, "Oh, nothing we can do." And it's like, we've literally got the like I've got a witness yeah. here and this person's number. Nah, it's nothing we can do. <clears throat> Give you like a crime number and you can go and report to insurance. It's like. Yeah, oh, that's, that's good, isn't it? And he, you know, she was a bit like, well, I thought they could do forensics. I was like, well, I don't know do forensics, mum, but it's like, at the very least, they could look but up. But they've got a witness and they've got... Yeah, they've the, got a they witness. Can, they can search. They can look up, you know, who's... Yeah. Like I say, like, if it had just been somebody smashed in and they'd said, well, nothing we can do, I can understand that. But when there's a witness and they've written down the yeah. person's, you'd look it up, surely, and anyway, there you go. Um, yeah. And that was when I realised, yeah, potentially depending on, you know, where you are on the social scale, you may not be quite as important enough to... Uh, surprisingly, surprise, yeah, the, surprisingly, a surprisingly small percentage of crimes are actually ever solved. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, and, and I get, you know, because a lot of it will be just, you know, you won't have the resource or whatever to, to deal with. But, you know, for me, surely just looking up like a licence plate has got to be like a... Anyway, apparently not. Um I'm sure. I'm sure there's good reasons for it. No, there isn't. Well, <laughs> yeah, it just, it just struck me as a bit egregious. How long is that going to take somebody? Half an hour. And, and I know well, it has to go of, through. A lot of it's. And again, I'm not like. Well, we'll end it on this. But a lot of it's political. So it's where the people from above are saying that crime stats need to go down. Then they pulled they, because they've got limited resources. They have to pull resources in certain areas. Um. So you know that's that's a lot of what happened. I know that kind of. So you know, like violent crime and that kind of stuff, they'll they'll pour all their resources into that, at, but but that means they can't deal with any robberies or break-ins yeah. because because that's what the politicians want them to do. So it is, although it's not quite the same as it is in, or it's getting more like it as it is in America in the UK because in America it's all political 
and, you know, people getting voted in and then trying to become governor and all that kind of shit. Um, we do now have kind of like police crime commissioners yeah, exactly. for each county yeah, and they're, they're voted for. Yeah. So, and I think they've got their eyes on politics. So it's becoming more the American model over here as well, which is, you know, where we want to go. Uh, there we go. Um, going back to the Beast of Bob Moore, though. So, um, so they were called out on 28 separate occasions. All times they were able to attend, but took no further action to investigate. They're um, scared of him. Yeah. I reckon he's got friends in high places. You do wonder. Do you reckon he's like the cat owned by, I don't know, like Norman Tebbit or something? He's just foraging. What's the guy who owns the Marquis, Marquis of... Marquis of Bath? Is it him who owns Longleat Safari Park? I believe so, yeah. He's the one who has loads of wives and wives yeah. and wifelets. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I reckon it's one of his. Probably. That's in Somerset, I think. So next to Cornwall. Yeah, near enough. Maybe he lets them out over the border to feed <laughs> Yeah, just want to do it on his own. Go life. on then, off you go. It's good exercise. Always good a exercise. character, isn't he? Um, yeah, so and they discovered giant paw prints near St. Austell. So there's a photo. Mm. Where it's, it's, it, he held up a tape showing they were four inches wide. Um, wasn't sure what it captured, and several people commenting believe they've been left by a lion. A lion? Um, well, wouldn't that be bigger than four? Four inches isn't that big. That's smaller than my hands. I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's not going to be the point. Is it's not going to be like a fox or something, is it? That's quite. Mm. It's quite. It's it's big. So the line you think would be bigger, but yeah, I don't know. Not well, this sure. is why I think, and also because it's black, I think panther is more likely. And panthers are just jaguars, aren't they? But black. So, and jaguars are big, man. I saw when I went for my birthday last year. I went to a big cat sanctuary to have a look at the big cats, and jaguars are big. Yeah. That one sounds about right. It could well be. There we go. So two months earlier, driving on his Duncan, known as, well, it was just Duncan, I suppose, but anyway, saw a creature leaping out in front of him. Police took the sighting seriously and attended the scene in the clay pit between Nampian and Whitemore in St. Austell. A decapitated deer was discovered nearby. Oh. Duncan said they found a couple of prints, which I was pleased about because I thought, God, no one's going to believe me. Oh, Duncan. He's a realist, isn't he? Oh, you know. Poor old, oh, oh, no one's going to believe me. Poor old put upon Duncan. Poor boy's going to kill me. And i got a photo here of another the, um, big cat, which um, was pictured in this in Austell. So it's like a big lad looking looking out by a lake, by the looks of it. Oh. Um, so I think that was captured by a retired salesman, Sid Yates. He spotted the wild animal around nine o'clock in the morning. Hello. Okay. Hello, nice to meet you. My name's Sid Yates. Can I interest you in a new vacuum cleaner? Now, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> what if the beast of Bobby Moore trodden on my carpet? Don't worry, this will get old. Don't worry about that. Oh, I've seen big fucking cat this morning. Um, he came out of the house, nine o'clock, looked up the lane. There's a there's the beast of Bobman. Mm. And he thought to himself, good God, there's another one. Fuck me. I don't know how often he sees massive cats. He might have been Always. on the bar sorts. Well, I mean, he's um, a salesman, so he's roaming yeah. around the Cornish. Um, he's going from motel to motel. Constantly bumping into cryptids. It's a nightmare. There's <laughs> <laughs> a tube of car, bro. It's getting in my way. Oh, no. And waves it through. <laughs> I'll I'll say, I, was staying, I was staying in this motel just outside of St. Ives. And you never guess who was fucking next door to me. Fucking lot less monster. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> said he'd come down for his holidays and that, you know, seemed like a decent guy. You know, kept himself to himself. It was all right. Didn't see him at the breakfast buffet, but I'm sure he probably likes fish or like that. Kelp. Apparently it looked a bit like a black Labrador, but had longer legs and tail and a flat nose. It was definitely the beast of Bodmin and not a dog, Chris. Not a horse. <laughs> yeah, definitely not a horse. It definitely wasn't a bar sort induced hallucination. <laughs> it crossed the road and got in the upstairs near my house. Oh, bath, 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 bath salt salesman. I'm travelling around Cornwall. Oh, here we go. You, what do you like to do of an evening? Do you like to have a nice night in or do you like to run around screaming? Because I can help you with either. <laughs> so yeah, he's 72 apparently and it was his third sighting during his lifetime. Hence why he said, oh God, another one. Yeah, oh, fuck me. Yeah, he saw one two years ago um, as he was driving around the area and he saw it in his headlights. Again, he thought it was a black Labrador and then realised it wasn't. wasn't scared of him. I think that he just really wants a black Labrador. Yeah, <laughs> just sounds like, like it. Hinting through the press to his wife. Yeah. <laughs> Did you read that story about the... Uh, <laughs> well, black Labrador, that sounds nice. Imagine yeah, having a black cool. Labrador. Oh, a piece of public more happy than you'd want that in your garden, wouldn't you? Um, oh, it'd be lovely, wouldn't it? You'd come up, lick your face, and roll around with it in the hay. And then it was, so they spotted, and they spotted a girl, um, an animal prowling in the garden of a house on the outskirts of Plymouth. That's oh. quite a way, isn't it? Plymouth, no, it's Cornwall. Oh, okay. It's, again, my geography is absolutely awful. Um, office worker Carol DeForges saw the creature from a living room, managed to get a few snaps of it through the window before it ran off. Do you think that She's, she was who the character Georgie LaForge was based on? I would like to believe so. Because mm. she's 59. Mm-hmm. So, feeling fine. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, she could have been there. It doesn't say that she has, like, a whatever that thing was, an eye monitor thing. Yeah, yeah, eye monitor thing. That's That was what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I to monitor the eyes. No, I don't know. What was what would you what would you call it? I mean they're not like a bionic like space spectacles. Eye. Bionic yes. eye, yeah. Yes. Well, it was not a bionic eye exactly, because it was like a I mean what it actually was was a headband that they just sprayed gold and like yeah. strapped onto his face is what it was. Yeah. Just like a hair clip, but uh, very uncomfortable apparently. Was it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Quite heavy. Yeah. Yeah, the actor who played him was really good in an episode of uh, Leverage Redemption. Oh, cool. Mm. It was it LeVar Burton, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah it seems like a decent <laughs> word. Um, so, yeah, she wasn't sure what it was. People are suggesting it could be some kind of big cat. Puma and Lynx have both been mentioned. Or a black Labrador. <laughs> could be a you know, black Labrador, yeah, but with longer legs and tail and a flat face. Um, both have mentioned... She doesn't know what those are, but she's never seen anything like it before. Um, I mean, the fact that it's black does lead me to believe that it's a jaguar. Or jaguar. Because they're the only black big cats. Panthers. Yeah, it's tough to say that this photo of this one doesn't look that big, actually. But oh, it's a big but... fox. But... And then there's a dog leg found in St. Mabin. Dog leg? Yeah. Oh. He just turned to his garden. There you go, severed dog's leg. Was it his dog? No, not by the look of it. Was it the so, was it the leg of a black Labrador? It wasn't, unfortunately. But no, it looks like they've actually got a photo of it, which is quite horrible. Oh. It's no, it's like a white with sort of dapple grey. So, oh. Poor dog. 
So in 1995... And I just want to, to our global uh, listenership, I'd just like to point out that um, in the UK, we don't have any dangerous animals. Any that we did have, such as bears and wolves, we hunted to extinction upon these fair isles about 400 years ago. So we don't actually have anything that would naturally prey on a dog or something like that, or even a deer, really. Yeah, no, you wouldn't, you know... Yeah. Apart from man. Yeah, the deadliest of all the creatures. The the, the mouthiest of all the apes. Yes. So there was um, an official investigation into the Beast of Bodmin. In 1995, an organisation known as the Agricultural Development Advisory Service, mm. um, that, that was part of the old Ministry of Agriculture, they wanted to look into this. So they, spent, they gave them 26 Ass, days. Adas. Adas, yeah. Yeah. Um, not Adidas. Adidas. Not Adidas, it's a different thing. That, that's a, that's a, uh, a piece of footwear for the sport-minded. <laughs> oh, I'm so good at describing things. You're very uh, good. But he spent 26 that's, days. That's, that's a, foot, a foot covering for the lively bunch. <laughs> yeah. Lively bunch foot covering, yeah. LBFC. Um <laughs> So twenty, so they give them twenty six days, um, something like just under a month, and eight thousand two hundred for two scientists. Or as he puts it here, maths answer to Mulder and Scully. Oh, established once and for all if the Beast of Bob Memoir was real or fake. Do you reckon I the Beast of Bob Memoir was ever on the next pulse? Because they did used to do those Monster of the Week episodes. No, but I remember one of these two uh, mathematicians um, being in FHM once. So I mean, maybe that's maybe that was it. That's you know entirely entirely possible because they had a really high profile. Did you buy three copies of that, Chris? Yep, ruined all of them. Yep. <laughs> nice. So, um, so they wanted to establish whether there was you know it was real or fake and carry out a government funded investigation. So they concluded it was not possible to prove big cats were not living wild in the countryside, <laughs> but they were confident even if they were, they posed little threat to livestock. I mean, that's difficult. You can't like, you can't prove a negative, can you? But um, I'm not not saying. <laughs> yeah. So it's accepted at the start of the investigation that it would never be possible to prove that such animal animals did not exist. But it was believed that if they did, hard evidence would be forthcoming. Right. People helpfully supplied material for investigation and reported sightings, suspected livestock stock kills and injuries. No verifiable evidence for the presence of a big cat was found. There were only four suspected livestock kills in in nearly six months none of which gave any indication of the involvement of anything other than native animals and dogs. No significant threat to livestock from a big cat and Bodmin Moor was their conclusion. Okay. I mean, you have to wonder if, with the abundance of wastage that humans produce, if it were, you know, if they would turn to scavenging. That's possible, because, yeah. because, you know, if you don't have to run after something for your sustenance, why would you? They just have like that half a cheeseburger that somebody's just dumped yeah, out from the McDonald's run. Have some oh, I can't be bothered finishing this off. I'll chuck it on the floor. Oh. And then a puma goes, thank you very much. Exactly. Don't mind if I do. This hunting luck's much easier in Cornwall. Oh, um, the food doesn't move, does it? It's great. We saw the brockles, isn't it, going down there with their second Yeah, it's all the Londoners chucking out. They're chucking chucking out their half-eaten weight trays. Hummus. Food. Platter. Yeah. <laughs> You're a lynx, you're going to lap that up. Yeah, lovely. A bit teeny. Put that back to the nest, yeah. 
They won't eat. Like, they, they won't eat. Well, they won't eat like fox and dog anymore. Nah, fuck that. No, I'm, no eating, yeah. I'm eating guinea fowl. Guinea fowl pate. Yeah. <laughs> so, are there any theories to explain the mystery? Of course. And the main one was made public in July last year when Benjamin Mee, the owner of Dartmoor Zoo, came forward and revealed that three pumas due to arrive there nearly four decades ago were released into the wild. Why? Well, we'll find out, hopefully. <laughs> well, look, I'm going right, to come clean. 40 years ago. <laughs> right. Mistakes happened. Yeah, but they've said four decades ago, but that's, I mean, the first one wasn't spotted four decades ago. Uh, 83, well, which is Well, that was the first sighting, but then maybe maybe they were kind of like keeping a bit shtum before, um, right. you know, maybe, maybe, they, maybe they kept a bit quiet before that, mind you, I don't know. So the Pumas were supposedly given their oh, freedom. Pumas. Yeah, supposedly Puma. given their freedom by famous circus entertainer. Would that be... Would that be Puma, the animal, and not the foot-colouring lively The leather-based, athletic foot-covering. It's, well, I don't, well, I don't know. I assume it's the animal, not the... Okay. With the crucial cue of context. Right. I don't understand context, which is why I'm constantly complaining to the BBC. I'm inferring that it's an animal. Okay. Just get you off and learn. It's best to keep these things clear. You know, we are on the internet. Yeah, just say, the pumas, by the way, not trainers, <laughs> animals. It's just, you know, something simple like that in brackets. Yeah, not, not trainers or the Mexican soccer team. No. I mean, it could get quite exhausting Sorry, narrowing you, these things down. So you haven't, you haven't cleared that up. Um, is it not the Mexican soccer team? It's not the Mexican soccer team. And it's, it's not, not the, the footwear. These, the we're animal. talking about three wild animals, pumas, were supposedly given their freedom by the former circus entertainer and former Plymouth zoo owner, Mary Chipperfield. Ooh, I don't believe she made circus. furnitures or was a male stripper. That helps, because I know, you know, we don't want to get this context. She wasn't a male... You're, you're thinking of Chippendales. Oh, there you go. And that's also the furniture maker. Yeah. So, if anything, he's muddied the water. Fair enough. <laughs> I strike my comment from the record. Now I'm thinking of furniture making cats and stripping Mexican football teams. Well, you know, I can't help. I can't help what's make on behind your eyes. Um, So apparently they were expecting a delivery of five pumas after the zoo was forced to close down in 78. Rather than surrender them to another zoo, she's thought to have released her favourite breeding pair into the wild, plus a young male to keep them company. That seems reasonable. Yep, threesome. You wouldn't want to put them down, would you? So you just go like, well, off onto Bob and more with you. Lads and last them. Well, I mean, it's possible. I mean, they'd be perfectly. Like, they wouldn't have struggled with the like the climate or anything in the UK. It's possible. It's possible. And if they had a breeding pair and another male, and also cats will bang within their family. So, you know, that's that's all possible. Like, um, like the. Uh, in London, you know, there's the quite there's quite a lot of parakeets that live in London, and they're not natural, but it's you know they got people have released them over the years, and they've now kind of got a big flock of parakeets that live in London. Colony. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's possible if it's a breeding pair and another bloke, another male, then you know they certainly could have expanded the the family unit, I guess. 
incestuously, but cats don't care about that because, um, you know, they live by different rules, cat rules. Hey, who knows? It's, I suppose it's possible. Um, I mean, they wouldn't live much more than sort of 12, 15 years, but, yeah, if you assume that they, they were able to sort of like... They lived to about, yeah, between 8 and 13 years. So, okay. So they, but they were a breeding pair, so... No, but, yeah, exactly, like if they'd had, like, you know, a few kids or whatever. Well, well definitely. Yeah, if they'd had a litter. They, they then, grew them up. Uh, let's have a look. How big is them? Big. Between one and six cubs per litter. So... Mm. They can knock them out. They're like humans. So it's possible. Like Catholics. So Mr. Me, who bought um, Dartmoor's... You got me thinking now, that Monty Python sketch. I won't get into that. <laughs> um, Mr. Me, who bought Dartmoor's Zoo in 2006. So there were lots of rumours, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, whether they were released from the old zoo, either by mistake or on purpose, we don't know. But there were supposed to be five turning up and, you know... Two did. Two did. There you go. So, uh, and this is back when zoos used to have yeah wild animal things in them, which of course we don't anymore. Um, Danny Bamping, founder of British Big Cat Society, said at the time the animals could easily have uh, survived on the moor and might have strayed down to Bodmin and Exmoor. Yeah. Um, well, they need um, they need about a, sort of each pair needs like a thirty square mile range. Okay. Which I know off the top of my head, not from the internet. No, of course no. It's just you obviously are familiar with the hunting ranges of various big cats. Certainly am. You need because to know this kind of knowledge in living to in have, To have house cats. Yeah. So some of them think that she let them out the door and she wasn't even obliged to report it because releasing exotic species wasn't legal until 1981. It was just brushed under the carpet. It's never come out until now. So she died in 2014, so of course he can ascertain that. But um, her husband has dismissed the claims. He now breeds rare white tigers in Spain. Yeah, what a prick. Yeah, um, and said, we had no dealings with the old Dartmoor Wildlife Park and certainly never released pumas or any other wild animals on Dartmoor. But yeah, mm, but I don't like this guy already, he, though. He breeds white tigers, though. He's like a tiger king character. Yeah, I'm already thinking of on something. Cost, on Costa del Crime. Joe Exotic or something, yeah. Just yeah, he um, like breeds white tigers for fucking drug dealers that live down in Marbella. Oh, directly a load of like would be scar faces. Yeah, hundred percent. Of course. Yeah. I'm just looking up um another couple of sources because that's kind of where that one's finished up, to be honest with you. Um so yeah, great. Obviously policy. Um, I mean the thing is as well, if you were a cougar, because kind of in the wild they they don't have any natural predators because they're apex predators. Yeah. But um they would be competing with like wolves and grizzlies and stuff. Whereas in Bobman Moor, where you competing with badgers, moles. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have a fairly easy time with it, I think. Yeah. So I've just landed up Plen- sorry, Chris Go. I was gonna say there's plenty uh, there's plenty of like I said, there's plenty of wasted food kind of so they could scavenge and you know, they could take animals quite quite easily, you know. It's not like we're geared up for... Well, I guess farms are sort of geared up to protect chickens and stuff from foxes, but that's about it. So, you know, they could easily take lambs and stuff, couldn't they? Yeah, no, it's entirely possible. And it's... Um, and it's just looking through... So, so, yeah, I mean, you know, hey... It, 
it, it seems like you you know whether they would have survived and would have you know because they because they've been in captivity. Well, but yeah, I, mean, I don't think there's any doubt that they would have survived. I think like it's a temperate environment. It's kind of the warmest part of the UK. But I mean, they come from like the, their range kind of in the Rockies is all the way from the fucking Yucatan in Canada, where it's really snowy, kind of down to the Sierra Nevadas and stuff. So they're pretty adaptable. So, so just looking up some other sort of sources, the, according to the Daily Mirror, they seem to have decided it was a 12-inch cat. Um, so this was a government investigation. I think this is just based on one photo that they... Um, they analysed and probably decided it was just a big cat rather than. Do you a, think this is a cover up? Do you think well, that maybe because kind of down that end is where we do a lot of our military stuff? Do you think that maybe we're breeding super cats? Well, I think yeah, I think it's probably actually covering up a whole kind of Masters of the Universe military scenario. <laughs> I would imagine. Really? So Thundercats just the tip of the iceberg. So they're trying to you know they're trying to breed wild animals that you know steroid inflicted gentlemen who can um use the power of grace gold to uh but the thing is kind of that that area of the country is massively like it's probably one of the least populated i mean apart from like the highlands but in you know in england i guess it's really kind of sparsely populated so you can kind of see how they could and it's you know it's not large in kind of context of like america or whatever but i mean it's the West Country's fairly large. Yeah, and cats do go out and go missing. I remember speaking to a guy who used to be a, um, he was an ex-copper once where I was working, and he'd actually had to um, actually go and try and sort of, I think there was they'd gotten loose from a zoo or something like that. There was some big animal that they had to sort of try and track down. Um, so I guess it happens from time to time. And maybe, I think it was probably a lot less controlled, probably in the sort of 70s and stuff. So It sounds like they were just released, and I can kind of imagine some kind of crazy... Circus person yeah, if you, going. If you believe free. that that, um, that particular story, which is you know, I, I hey, choose to, it's possible, I guess. Um, whether they'd still be breeding all these years later, um, why wouldn't they be? Yeah, I don't know. It's quite a small. It's quite a small stock, isn't it? To but, uh, not really. Um, hey, it's I mean, all possible, Chris. It's all possible. Yeah, I mean, I'm quite, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm buying a lot of this. I'll tell you now, I'm buying it. I'm hook, line, and sinker. Hook, line, and sinker. Oh, well, fair enough. Um, you sound a bit more convinced of me. I'm just going to look up one other place, and it's the independent seems to want me to, uh, to register for it, which I'm not going to do, but I'll try later. Let's, oh, here we go. So I just want to read out a few quotes from some farmers in the area. It was a cruel but clean death. She died of a broken neck, stomach ripped from sternum to leg. But the telltale signs were four long scratch marks, which Rosemary Rhodes thinks identifies the killer of her ewe, the beast of Bob Binmore. Mrs. Rhodes and the other North Cornwall farmers have complained for 12 years about the beast. This is in um, 95, by the way, Chris, this article's from 95. Okay. Or beast which terrorised livestock. They believe up to 17 black and brown pumas, panthers or dark leopards could stalk the area. At last, they're being taken seriously. And then it talks about the guy from the Agricultural Development Advisory Service. Apparently, it was a chap named Charlie Wilson. Uh, they said it was two of them. On the right, from um, from the Gap Band. You dropped a bomb on me, baby. Yeah, that's Charlie Wilson. Yep. Um, so he had eight grand and twenty six days to assemble evidence of the beast. Um. And I'm sorry, I'm just looking through the other bits. So, um, the farmer John Goodenough. 
That's in John Good Enough. A shiny Sorry, weather. I've got a feeling this article may have been written by some man. The farmer John Good Enough, a shiny weather-beaten man with tremendous whiskers, warns those on the hunt, you'll know when the beast's there. There'll be no rabbits or foxes about, and the birds stop singing. That's the call for caution. Ooh. And the way they kill, if it's a dog, there's wool and trouble everywhere. Cat goes in, kills and eats. Very little mess. Mrs. Rhodes of neighbouring Ninestones Farm adds a description. Its eyes are great yellow orbs, and it has a foul scream like a woman's, but a hundred times magnified. So they went off to the National Sound Archives for a pure mating call, and when they heard the tape, they fell about, because that's what they'd been hearing through the kitchen window. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the beast was costing Mr. Goodenough a grand in livestock. That's funny. In I, mean, I would like to um, just point out that Dartmoor's actually in Devon, not Cornwall as well. So it's not just Cornwall that it's... Going about yeah, it sounds like it. Um, yeah, she's, she's got some video in the backyard, sent it out to the, the NFU. Um, Father Michael Cartwright, priest in charge of... Um, Cats. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I can't pronounce it. Alternan with Belventa, which apparently is some area in the area, believes it exists. Some reliable people who have seen it are not the sort who go into the realms of fantasy. People around here are <laughs> to lie. Says the priest. <laughs> sorry what about the landlord of the rising sun inn in neighbouring St Clever who added I know someone who's positive he saw it there's a fair amount of scepticism the government have got to remember animals don't generally pose for photos mm. and then at the nearby Jamaica inn made famous by Daphne de Maurier mm-hmm. um, there's an, a, a farmer who reckons he came close to close with it at one o'clock in the morning pointing to the fence where it stared at him and a friend he said it jumped off there and went into the forest making a squeaky squealing noise we decided to follow it well, it seemed like a good idea at the time. We shone the lamp around, crouched down and caught its eyes, sort of bright white. Then it went off at a fair old rate. We saw it was about three foot long, tail of 18 inches. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just looking to see if there's any other things about sightings. So, <clears throat> Charlie Wilson's doing what he can to... Uh, he's doggedly carrying out his research. Um, bringing, out, bringing out funk albums. Compiling, yep, Funk albums and compiling reports of convincing sightings. But that's not sufficient for Mrs. Rhodes and Mr. Goodenough. Ugh. Charlie Wilson's Nothing's very good enough for that guy. <laughs> no, clearly not good enough should be his yeah. name. He's a very nice man, but the ministry's given him a job without the tools to do it, said Mr. Rhodes. The ministry's taken the easy way, reassuring people there's no danger. In the last war, Churchill told people to fight on the beaches. He didn't reassure them and say, go home, folks, everything will be all right. Yeah, and I think that... I think that the base of Lord Moore and um, and the war machine of uh, Nazi Germany are are very very similar. Well, I'll just I'll just quickly because these are some great quotes. Chris, I'm just going to quickly finish these. So, Mister Goodenough agreed. Tis or Miss, well, oh, he's agreeing with himself apparently. Tis rubbish, totally rubbish. Our master should have the bottle to come and talk to us. They go to university and get their heads so full of academics. There's not a bit of room for common sense. He said. Mm. Reach. So there he go. I mean, uh, bosh. yeah, and I would also um, a bit uncomfortable with him calling them our masters. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there's a couple of colourful characters at the end here. Time, so, yeah, time traveller, Mister Goodenough said. <laughs> okay, so you got some more quotes from Mister Goodenough. Mister Goodenough, or nothing's ever good. He enough, sounds Mr. like um, he sounds like the kind of straight talking, no nonsense person that maybe we need to lead this country. The well, slogan, good enough for Cornwall, good enough for Britain. Something like exactly. 
So he didn't go to university and get his head so full of academics. It's not a bit of common sense. Exactly. Ram full of common sense, Chris. Yeah, just I mean, that's what we need. Got it spilling out. Yeah. So they've got a solution. Why don't you ask them? Stuff full of it, like a pipe, like a piping bag full of common sense. Exactly. Just, just point where you want spewing it out. Just point where you want the common sense to decorate the Spank along. Yeah. Exactly. Beautiful. So, what do you think the solution is, Chris? What uh, the Beast of Robin Moore? Yeah. Negotiation. No, no. We need to tell people the difference between cat and dog prints. We need a national investigation and the Central Board of Intelligence taking calls from all over the place. Right. We must give out information. If you meet the beast, you don't bend over or run. <clears throat> you must face it, shout, chuck things, and become aggressive, and it'll move off. She don't will. bend over what? So I'm not sure prison? what she thinks is happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Might be a, some bit of yeah. favour in there. This was 95, so, you yeah. know. Uh. Neither farmer wants the beast shot, interestingly. No. We should go to America and bring back the men and dogs who keep panthers under control there, added good enough. They can drive them up and shift them onto a reserve. I don't know where he imagines <laughs> this reserve is happening. Uh, some, the Somerset levels? <laughs> yeah. We're not doubting... So Mr. Wilson sighs. He's the government scientist and says, we're not doubting the honesty and sincerity of people, but if we're going to submit a report and do something, we need to see hard evidence. All this Hound of the Baskerville stuff, nobody remembers the Hound turned out to be a fake. So you won't be wearing a deer stalker then, I ask. No, and no tweeds either. I'll be wearing welly boots, jumper and jeans when I go out looking, he says. And two six-shooters. <laughs> and a Stetson. Um, I don't so, know. Cause you've, kinda, you've got two extremes here, haven't you? I mean, he basically seems like the government guy. Like, it's just a bit of a jolly for him, and he just already doesn't believe it. I mean, it's a, it's a, t- I mean, presumably he's having to sort of like try and track over like a very large area and it's a bit of a hiding to nothing. So, you know, yeah, but it's, but well, it's what he's been tasked to do. So, yeah, yeah, and he's meant to be a scientist. So, yeah, well, no, I think all, he, all he's trying to say is that they need to get, so I think, you know, he's there to do that. Oh, yeah, he's oh, just, oh, oh, the best school stuff. Uh, no, actually, mate, no, I've actually got animals here that have been mauled by an unknown creature. So it's not quite fucking Sherlock Holmes, Hound of the Baskerville stuff. Yeah, but he's having to deal with Mr. Good Enough, so... Yeah, but, yeah no, but, you know, that's your fucking job, mate. Do you know what I mean? Right? I don't I don't like the attitude this guy's got. I think it, it, typical big science going, I've already kind of... I've kind of decided what it is before I, I go like in. I like cut of his jib. It's good boxing. You like him? Good hustle, Charlie Wilson. That's yeah, well, I'm, I'm with... Yeah, well, stick, you and stick, Mr. Good Enough can get on Jamaica. Stick to early 80s funk, I would say, too. Mumbling coherently. So, uh, yeah... Nothing incoherent about common sense, Neil. Only a scientist lover like you would say that. Yeah, it's got filled up with all the academics. Yeah, you did, yeah. Yeah, You went to university. Do you know why I went to the University of Common Sense called called the real world, Neil? Not like you. Getting getting your head filled up with books, whereas I was getting my head filled up with the word on the street. Yeah. Uh, Common sense, practical notions worked out well for everyone recently, hasn't it? Well, I mean, if it if it had been used at all, then probably yes. Yeah, but it wasn't. Oh, you know, potentially there's a happy medium. Common with, no uh, sense is what's what the, the academia order of the and in. common sense. You know, you can probably combine the two. Well, well academia basically should be common sense, shouldn't it? Because you look yeah. at something and go, right, that's what it is. Occam's razor. Anywho, right. So yeah, so it's not a big. Got one. any more? To be honest, you... Got any more? Did he? Did he? Uh, did he uh, spit back? Mr. No, there's, no, there's been no more. 
I mean, to be fair, no, I think he's um, he's kind of like tr- doing the best he can in a bad situation. I mean, no, Mr. Goodenough had nothing else to say. I just thought he was a colourful little character. Just him. There's lots of other side things. There's lots more, but it's you know, can't, you know, it's more of the same. To be honest with you, there's been quite a few photos taken. Um, there's been a lot of animal attacks, and there's definite belief in the area that there is something going on. So it's quite compelling, I think. There's, you know, there's I think a, there's more there than I thought there was, Neil. Yeah, there's a lot more. You know, there. It's not nothing. Let's put it like that. Um, I think it'll be quite so, a high scorer. But yeah, but it's not. Um, yeah, there's not much more to say in terms of you know the side things are what they are. It's not like he, you know, he comes out of a hell mouth or fucking you know. I mean, when will when will children when will Charlie Wilson, you know, kind of finally admit that there's something when when we're all living on the streets and the big cats living in our houses? Well, yeah. No? What do we go? <laughs> well, it's no uh, no Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Maybe that's his agenda. Do you reckon? Do you reckon he's Probably, in the yeah. pay of big cat? <laughs> rewilding. We're rewilding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> rewilding the Cornwall one county at a time. Not a bad idea. Next thing you know, Brighton will be run by seagulls, llamas, or something. Yeah, seagulls are more so. Well, a, a combination of llamas and seagulls because it's quite hilly, isn't it? So you'd have llamas up on the high points and uh, seagulls. I think, yeah, maybe. I know that there's um, out of my window, and very often now, uh, there's a fox that comes and sits in my neighbour's garden. He's really nice. Say hello to him. I like foxes. They're going to be the next animal that move in with humans, I reckon. Um, so what do you want to do? Do you want to do? Do you want to talk more about um, training gear, or do you want to move into the scoring section of the show? Shall we go schools on the doors? Yeah, all right then. I suppose so. Um, so Neil. Um, with your wonderful scientific minds full of nonsense and stuff which is not common sense. Hillbilly academics, pushing Hill, out all common sense. Hillbilly academics. Um, spookiness, Neil. Why don't you tell me what the fuck you think? So, some and some on this. I think if you were like being hunted down by a big cat in the middle of the night, I mean, I think the primary thing I've heard from Mrs good enough or whatever her name was is you know don't don't drop your trousers don't, yeah don't try to be sexually assaulted by a cat i mean i'd agree with that that's probably a sound advice that's common sense yeah i mean even even as filled with the academics as i've filled my head i wouldn't be thinking of doing that um <clears throat> so still a bit of common sense isn't there apparently um but yeah no i think i can think i could see it being quite um frightening although they're probably only attacking animals i doubt they you know they're, they're not going to have anything about that yeah, not really. I mean, so, so probably not that big on the spooky um, style, but it would still shoot you up if you ran across one, sort of one o'clock in the morning. But um, it's probably not the spookiness that's in this one, so it's probably a five for me on that scale. Five. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it would be horrible and a bit spooky to find, like, animals being, have been slaughtered kind of during the night. Um, and I guess seeing something completely out of the ordinary and you can't headlights. Um is weird, but yeah, I don't, it's not spooky per se. It's un, it's unusual. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's not going to be a very high spookiness for me because there's nothing here, kind of. Well, it comes into your house or anything like that. It's that there's, there's it's not spooky. It's just a, it's 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 an out of place natural creature. So uh, I'm going to go with the spookiness of three on that. There it is. Believability <clears throat> now. This is going to be one of the highest ones for me because, A, nothing supernatural here, right? 
big cats. B, fuckloads of eyewitness testimony and actual photographic, you know, and I use the term loosely, evidence. C, there's actually, um, you know, there's suggestion that, and a very believable suggestion, I would say, that this person who had the circus and it was shutting down and was having to give the animals away to another place, let her three favourite ones go. Because I can see how if you were close to these animals and you were going through something where you're losing your circus, your livelihood and that, you're going to be in a stressful position anyway. And I could see you just going, go. Do you know what I mean? I could see that happening. Mm. The fact that there was a breeding pair and another male means that despite the fact the animals only lived to kind of 12, 13, that they could have had litters and it could have continued and they're also in an, in an area which is actually pretty fucking good for them, like good weather. They're not having to deal with harsh winters. Um, they've got no other competition. So despite what Funk legend Charlie Wilson says, I think this has got a fair bit of believability to it. So for me, it's going to be a 9 mil. Yeah, and the only, I think the only thing that I'm just one does anything on this because he's not come out and said, "Well, it's completely impossible." And the very fact that they actually got a government scientist to come in and look into it seriously means there must be some possibility. So, I think you know, <clears throat> the only thing for me is because it's because it's an apex predator and there is actually no competition. You would theorise that actually shouldn't they have? I don't know. I don't know how long it'd take, but in theory, they should actually overbreed to the point where they start becoming a pest almost because they. They've got no natural predators themselves, so you would think, you know, they would yeah. be become. There would be enough of them that it would become like there'd be no question left anymore. You would just start spotting them out in the wild. Maybe, so knows, maybe that will happen in time to come. I, I don't think, know. I think because of the size of them, they're not they're not like knocking out hundreds of kids. You know, they can have up to six, but a normal kind of breeding pair will produce two. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, no, it's so only, and it hasn't been that long. It's been, you know, my lifetime. No, 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 so agreed. So you're I talking maybe four generations of them? Yeah. So, I, and, so I, and I don't know how many generations you'd be talking about to get to a point where it was. So I'm, I'm not discounting yeah. that. Um, but, yeah, other than that, I mean, there's nothing supernatural, as you say. Believability's got to be a higher one on this one. There's nothing inherently completely unreal. They did bring in a government. So he couldn't find evidence. But he couldn't. Not, I mean, not find evidence. You can't, you can't, you can't, again, you can't prove a negative, but... He didn't knock it down immediately and say, like, this is clearly mm. incredibly unlikely or, you know, it's going to happen. He was actually out there looking for evidence. Um, so they're taking it seriously enough to at least fund something. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to have to give it a nine as well. It's wow. probably about as – I'm not sure what a ten would look like, but it's going to, no. you know, I'm not, you know um, how much more. But I'm not saying that I necessarily think – Well, if they the actually case, caught one, then it would be a ten if it was a proven yeah. thing. Yeah, but then it's almost fact rather than believability, isn't it? Yeah, but I guess so. Any, anyway. Um, cool. All right. Who knows? Narrative premise now. Difficult um, one. <laughs> yeah, it's a tricky one, this. I think um, it's probably another one that's a bit down the middle on on thing for me as well. I think you'd have to focus a lot more on the um, – well, I think, you know, if you take into account whether it was true or not, um, you know, there's someone releasing them into the world, there's kind of like a bit of a, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a sort of a – that may be called the lady with the lions. Lion king. Lion three. The winners uh, in the mist. 
Gorillas in the Mist. That was Gorillas, I believe. No, there was. Really? Uh, I can't called something like Run Free or Cry that. Free or something like that. Right. Um, Godfrey. Yeah, Godfrey and his lions, lions, <laughs> lions, lions. Um, no, I can't remember. I uh, can't remember the lady's name, but she she worked with um, animal um, lions out in the anyway, whatever. Um, so yeah, I think you know animal movies are sort of quite popular, aren't they? I think, but yeah, there's not. It's kind of just a, you know, it's just some cats kind of like eating things. So I don't know how much we're going. So I'm going to go, go in the middle and give it a five. Cool. Um, so, I mean, it's a, it's good enough to have captured the public's imagination. I mean, it's very well known. If I asked my mum, Beast of Bobby Moore, she'd probably know what it was, right? So um, it's captured people's imagination in this country, Um you know, it's plenty of reports on it. Um, I mean, I quite like, um, I don't know, something, I don't know, something quite exciting that there could be, you know, big cats hiding away. Roaming around. Yeah. Running or roaming around in in, uh, in the southwest of England. Um, you know, I guess this is how things get started because, you know, your horses aren't, native to North America, they were brought over there. Do you know what I mean? Like, so animals do move around. You know, cats aren't native, house cats aren't native to most of the world, but they're fucking everywhere. So you never know, could end up having loads of them in the next 50 years, like, if they hit a tipping point. Um, I quite like it. Um, so I'm, you know, and it's got the, it's got the kind of why it happens. So I'm going to give it a 6 nil. Cool. So, uh, Reach. Well, um, in the UK, big. It's big Reach. It's not massively old. It's about as old as me. Um, and I don't know how... I think... There's, I've definitely seen that there are other podcasts about Beats of Bob and more and stuff. So I think it's got some in, international stuff, but not like Loch Ness Monster big and that kind of stuff. Um, but it's one of our bigger ones. Um but yeah, I mean, it is very. It's very difficult for for me to give a fair mark on it because obviously I've heard of it my whole life, really. Um, so I'm going to give it a seven nil. Yeah, probably similar for similar reasoning, to be honest with you, Chris. So um, you know, it's a rare one that I actually know and have heard about. And the Beast of Bob been more. If you're in the UK, you'll know it all, all around the UK. I think it's. Um, but but yeah, I suspect. I mean, nowadays it's it's probably more. You know, people who are into this kind of thing, you'll you'll end up finding yeah. out about it. It's those kind of circles. I don't know that. I mean, I don't know though because it's something like Chupacabra. I mean, we all know about that, and that's quite you know it's quite a weird one. It's kind of like more of a Mexican thing, but it's quite well known. So, but as you say, I don't think we're really in a position to know. Um, uh, so I don't I I don't know how well known it would be outside of the UK, and it isn't that old, but I think it's one that will endure a bit. So um, yeah, I'll give it a seven as well. And that gives us an overall score of fifty-one, which isn't too bad. One of our higher ones. Bad at all. And isn't that exciting, uh, everyone? Uh, that we definitely one hundred percent now have uh, cougars uh, or mountain lions, as they're also called, living wild in the UK soon to probably overtake the whole country and uh, they can't do a worse job than we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you've seen any kind of mysterious out-of-place animals or anything like that, oh, that, that was something which I was going to say. Now, should we have a look at <clears throat> some of those, what are they called, out-of-place 
out-of-time objects. They're quite interesting, aren't they, where you find, like, a rock that's a 1,000 years old with a digital watch in it or something yeah. like that. Ooters. Sounds good. We'll have a look at some of those. So if you know any of those you want us to have a look at, um, that was at those Russian nano springs. Spirals, yeah. yeah. Um, then let us know at herb.legends.podcast at gmail.com. Um, but, yeah, beyond that, um, if you are approached by uh, a dangerous animal, um, your first instinct should not be to drop your trousers and bend over. I think that's a lesson which I instinctively feel I knew, but clearly it needed pointing out and underlining for some people. So if you take anything away from that episode, let that be it. Um, But apart from that, I will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.